Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. You guys have your Bibles. Uh, Open them up. Get them out. Or your phones. Scroll. You don't hear like pages anymore, you know? Like in the 90s when people say, get your Bibles out. And you say, turn here, you hear a... Sounded like a river. Now there's no sound. We should, someone should uh, create an app that when you scroll through, you have the ruffling of pages sound. So, sounds like a river. We've been in a series called Builders of the Wall. And where this, uh, the idea of this series came from, we're we're in the book of Nehemiah chapter 3. Now, a couple months ago, I was reading Nehemiah 3, and the, the Lord just highlighted that chapter to me. And, of course, the children of Israel coming back uh, to their promised land, and then Nehemiah uh, has this call on his life to help rebuild the walls of Jerusalem that were torn down. And in that chapter, there's 10 gates that are listed that needed to be rebuilt. And the Lord highlighted to me that these 10 gates are a prototype of, of gates that we want to have open in a life-giving, spirit-empowered uh, church. And um, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure when I began the series, like, am I the only one who's thought of this? Or I should say the Holy Spirit's brought this to my attention. And as I've studied this, I've found that there are other ministries they would, uh, who have taught a similar thing on the 10 gates of, of Nehemiah. So that's pretty cool that I'm not, you know. It's nice to know you're not, like, thinking of weird things. There are other churches that... that uh, that teach the same thing. But their angle uh, many times is like there was, there was one church, um, the pastor was teaching it, and he called it the gates of revival. Um, there's another church, and they talked about not necessarily as the gates of a church, but the gates that we all need to have individually open in our life. So um, our particular um, vein that we're going in in this direction is what does it look like to have a spirit-filled, life-giving church? And I believe these gates represent Um, the gates that we need to have open. Okay, so if you would go ahead and put that picture of Jerusalem. This is Jerusalem in Nehemiah's day. And when you read through Nehemiah chapter 3, it goes through the gates in a counterclockwise direction. I'll do a quick review. The Sheep Gate. We talked about how that is uh, any church needs to, and, and most churches do this, they provide the spiritual needs for the sheep. How many know that we are God's sheep? We're part of his fold. And churches must meet the needs of those sheep, okay? So that's the sheep gate. The next one is the fish gate. This is the evangelism gate. Jesus said, come follow me. I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of people, okay? This speaks of evangelism. And if we're going to be a spirit-filled, life-giving church, we must have the evangelism gate open. Not just here in these doors, but we need to be a people empowered, City Lights Church, to go back out to our world and to be a witness for Christ. So I want to encourage you, open the evangelism gate in your life, okay? The next gate is the old gate. Pastor Emily, my wife, she preached an amazing message on the old gate. And we got some old gates up in here. And we appreciate you so much. You are so welcome here. We need your, your wisdom in this place. How many know once you bring in the fish from, from the fish gate, you got to get those new believers around some of the old believers so that the new believers can start maturing in the things of the Lord. So we need the old gate open. And every life-giving, spirit-empowered church needs the wisdom's gate open, okay? 
The next gate after that is the valley gate. The valley gate, what is that? That's ministering to those who are going through the low places. Okay, the broken places, the wounded places, the addicted places, the, those who have experienced trauma. We want to be a church that is open to the valley gate um, so that we can meet people coming through those hard places. How many know we all go through valleys from time to time? This week, we're moving on to the next gate. Can you guys see what it is? It's the dung gate. Yes, you heard it right. We're going to talk about the dung gate. All right. Initially, um, this is not the glamorous gate, is it? Uh, although if you go to Jerusalem today, it's actually one of the most cleanest areas of, of Jerusalem. I'm just saying. Um, initially, I was going to group this gate with next week's message, the fountain gate. But the more I thought about it, I was going to kind of just do it, you know, two at once. But the more I thought about it, the more the Lord highlighted to me how important this gate is to have an operation in our lives. All right, so let's, uh, let's read Nehemiah 3.14. The dung gate was repaired by Malchah, son of Rehab, ruler of the district of Beth Hakarim. He rebuilt it and put its doors with its bolts and bars in place, okay? How would you like to be this guy in scripture? What did you, what part of the, what part of the Jerusalem did you rebuild? He's like, the dung gate, the dung gate, okay? He didn't get to rebuild the fountain gate. He didn't get to rebuild, you know, these other gates that are so flashy. But how many know the dung gate is super important, okay? Um, dung gate's important. Um, okay, Why? Um, the Dungate, this is where all the waste products of, this, of the city would go out. Okay, other translations would call it the trash gate or the rubbish gate, um, the refuse gate, of course. Um, and, and it's interesting that this has come up a couple times, but at that time in Jerusalem, they, they made animal sacrifices. This is what was happening in the Old Testament. Those are all a shadow and a type of, of our, our um, great sacrifice, which is Jesus, of course. But they, made, they did animal sacrifices, and at that time, there was, um, those animals would be sacrificed, and they, they would put them on the altar and burn them. And how many know there was ashes and bones and those kind of things? There was rubbish that had, from the temple, had, temple area, had to come out, and they, they took it out through the dung gate. So rubbish, bones, ashes, and yes, any type of excrement from animals or other went out of the dung gate. And those products would be, those waste products would be dumped into the Hidden Valley, okay? In fact, modern-day excavations, as they've been excavating that area, they've found, like, oh, this, is, this was their landfill. This is where they were dumping their, their trash um, thousands of years ago, okay? And it's right by the Dung Gate. So, in ancient times, city walls and gates were extremely important. They kept things out that needed to stay out like invaders and robbers, right? They kept things in that needed to stay in. Like in, the, in that time, the temple, there was many, many treasures in the temple. There's these gold articles and silver articles, okay? The walls and the gates protected the temple and kept things in that needed to stay in. But the third thing that gates do is they let things out that need to be let out. And in this case, we're talking about waste products, okay? I'll say it like this. The dung gate was the cleansing gate. It's what um, kept the city free of disease and filth. Because how many know if you, that stuff piles up after a while, disease and filth 
will follow behind. I think you guys get the idea. Um, and I was thinking about people scrolling through like the podcast of this or YouTube, and I think they would see Dungate and kind of skip over that. So for the sake of branding, I've decided to call this message the Deliverance Gate. Okay? <laughs> that might interest some more people. If you're still watching or still listening, I tricked you. And... <laughs> but that's because this is important. So you need to finish the message. Okay. The deliverance gate. What is that? That's healing from our yesterday so that we can have hope for tomorrow. Here's the application as a church. Every life-giving, spirit, and power church needs to help people let go of their yesterday. Okay, why? So that we, you and I can step into our today. Okay, now the deliverance gate comes right after the valley gate. We talked about the valley gate last week. Um, again, I said life-giving churches need to be a place of, that we help people who are wounded, broken, those who've gone through trauma. Um, we need to be a church that's open to the broken. But how many know that people coming through the valley, coming through those broken places, we have to help them deal with their yesterday so that they can step into their tomorrow, okay? And that's why I believe the Dungate, the deliverance gate, comes right after the valley gate. What do we need to do? We need to be able to process the pain of our yesterday, okay? The deliverance gate is the purging gate. I'll say it like this. Some of us are spiritually backed up, and you need a movement, okay? <laughs> It's time for a movement, okay? <laughs> many times, how, how many have been in a prayer meeting? Many times, like, God, move. We're praying for a movement. But listen, a movement might look different than you pictured, okay? <laughs> Some of us are spiritually constipated, okay? And you need to let go of your yesterday so that you can step into your tomorrow. Amen? This is a word for somebody. You want the new things of God? You want the fresh things of God? You want God to do a new thing, but if you're holding on to the old thing, there's not room for the new thing, okay? <clears throat> um, I've never done this before, but I've thought about it. Um, you know when you go to a restaurant, and then the waiter or waitress brings your food, brings your food to you, and then they circle back around a couple minutes later, and they're like, how does everything taste? How is everything going? Or sometimes they'll say it like this, how did everything come out? And I jokingly always think, I don't know, ask me tomorrow, you know. <laughs> I've never done it, I've never said it, but I've thought about it. Someone do that and let me know how it goes, okay? I, don't, I have too much dignity to, to actually say it. <clears throat> For some of you, this is the weirdest sermon you've ever heard. First time visitors are like, I'm never coming back here, you know. Um, but listen, <clears throat> In first world countries, city sanitation is like one of the most underappreciated services that we have. Imagine if tomorrow all of our you know, uh, sanitation services like trash pickup stopped, um, sewer services stopped. We would only be days or maybe, maybe weeks at the most from a health crisis, a public health crisis. Um, in third world countries, sanitation is a major problem. The lack of clean water, trash services um, is a major issue. And if you went to a third world country, as I'm sure many of you have been, uh, if, if, you, if you looked at the problems of that third world country, maybe a lot of people in that place can't read, 
but they also have these sanitation problems. If you, if you look in terms of priorities, you would want to be able to help them maybe come up and solve some of these sanitation issues before you would prioritize helping everyone learn to read. Sanitation remains a major problem around the world. And here's my point. Before we can help those coming through the valley to understand the deep truths, the, the deep principles of God, we have to help people heal from our yesterday. Okay, and listen, we all go through valleys. And so we need to be equipped to deal with the byproducts of our yesterday of pain, brokenness, and heartache. Okay, so today I want to I wanna give you guys a few keys of how to deal with our yesterday so that we can step into our tomorrow, okay? <clears throat> we need to be able to purge our past, okay? How do we do that? Okay, point number one, how do you purge your past? Number one, you have to forgive some people. Forgive offenses, okay? The purge button of forgiveness is one that Christians must press regularly. Forgiveness should be a regular practice for the believer. You might be here and you're like, well, someone's here and they're like, well, you know me, I, I hold a grudge. I, I, you know me, that's who I am. I just, I, I hold a grudge. Well, listen, are you a Christian? Are you a believer? Isn't the Christian's goal to be Christ-like? Can you imagine Jesus like, well, you know me, I hold a grudge, you know? Thank God that God isn't like that. Do you want to be like God? I do. Do you want to be like God? Listen, God is forgiving. Thank God that he's forgiving, okay? The reason why Jesus wants you to forgive, and we all deal with this from time to time. If you've not been offended, you've not been alive, okay? We've all been offended, the reason why Jesus wants you to forgive is because he wants you free, okay? Unforgiveness, I've said this before, unforgiveness is like drinking poison, expecting the other person to get hurt, okay? Uh, to forgive is to set a prisoner free only to discover that that prisoner was you, okay? To forgive is to set the, a prisoner free only to realize that that prisoner was you. So we need to forgive we need to release. We need to let things go, okay? Some of you need a movement of forgiveness in your life, and you're spiritually backed up because you're holding on to your yesterday, but God wants to bring you into something new. Amen? Okay? You need to forgive. Um, I've been on a few missions, trip, missions trips in my life, and um, I went to a mission, on a missions trip uh, to Brazil, and I preached the message at a church there, and then afterwards I was up front ministering to people, just praying for people's various needs. And I had a gal come up, and she, um, through a translator, um, I found out that she hadn't gone to the bathroom in a long time. And the translator kind of like laughed, but then he asked her how long, and it had been like weeks. And he's like, okay, this is actually a serious problem. And how I many of oh, that's a that's a big problem, right? Um, and then I was like, okay, can I pray for you? And she goes, yes. And then she turns around. I'll never forget this. And then I was like, where do you want me to put my hands right now? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Listen. That's a picture. That's a serious problem. That's a picture of how some of us are spiritually. We are holding on to yesterday's bitterness for days, weeks, months, and sometimes years. 
And you need to let that thing go because God wants to do a new thing in you. No wonder you don't feel the life of God. No wonder you haven't, new life hasn't been flowing into you because you're holding on to something old. Okay, I hear music. <clears throat> okay. People who do inner healing ministry will tell you that there are several things that, bring, that can have the potential to bring demonic influence into your life. And I thought this was so important um, that I just wanted to, I wanted to put it up on the screen. There are three predominant things that stick out from people who do inner healing ministry. And this is them. Potentials uh, to open potential doors of demonic influence. Number one, unrepented sexual sin or sexual perversion can open the door for demonic influence in your life. Uh, Number two, drug use, particularly psychedelic and hallucinogenic, uh, hallucinogenic drugs, can open you up to the demonic realm. Um, and the third thing that they will tell you oftentimes that opens people up to oppression is unforgiveness resulting in bitterness. Now, I don't know how this works exactly as a Christian because our heart is the Holy of Holies. When we receive Jesus, he comes in and, and only God is there. I don't know if it's out here or in here or wherever it is, but you can, as a Christian, be under the influence of spiritual darkness. Okay, you need to know that. Just because you've received Jesus doesn't mean you're never going to have any battles. Okay, one of the, three of the ways you can open these doors is um, unrepented sexual sin, drug use, and unforgiveness that results in bitterness. Now listen, I just want to say, none of those categories of people are eternally broken, but we need to repent of those things and um, get deliverance from those things, um, but realize how important it is to forgive people. You can literally be blocking the blessing of God in your life, okay? And listen, offenses, offenses are inevitable. It's inevitable that we will offend one another. If you've ever been in a relationship long enough, eventually you will offend someone. Friendship, romantic uh, relationships. I tell people in our belong class who come into the church, I'm like, just so you know, we're, we're going to offend you. If you're here long enough, we're going to offend you. You'll walk down the wrong hallway, the security will yell at you. I'll say something from the podium, undoubtedly at some point that will offend you. You know, we're going to offend one another. And we have, to, we have to decide that our relationship is based on something bigger than when we get offended. We just run off. You know what I mean? Okay. Fences are inevitable, but Christians must be forgivers. Amen? This isn't really a how-to message on, on how to forgive um, I've done those before, but sometimes I think we overcomplicate it. Sometimes I think we make it complicated. Maybe just out of obedience to the Lord, God, I just give that thing to you. Amen. So forgive. Don't hold on to your fences. They're holding you back. Okay, that's point number one. <clears throat> point number two, how do we purge our past? We need to release regret. Okay, here's the deal. We all have regrets. All of us have regrets. Some people's regrets paralyze them from stepping into their future. What are we talking about? So offenses are the things that happen to you. You're the victim of this offense. Regrets are the things you did or things you didn't do. We all have things that we did that we shouldn't have done, right? And we all have things that we didn't do that we should have done, okay? Those are regrets. We all have those. But many times it's these regrets that can actually keep us locked up from stepping into what God has for us in the future, stepping into the new. 
many times the person that we need to forgive is actually ourselves. Why did you say that? Why did you do that? Okay, regret is a destiny kill. You can't live in regret. You can't perpetually be in your past. If only I'd said this, if only I'd done this, if only I had done that, if only I had done this. Okay, we need to stop doing this. Jesus said in John, uh, Luke 9, uh, 63, he said, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service. Why? Because they're, they're looking back. And if you're plowing a field and you're looking back, what are you going to do? You're going to begin to churn that thing, which you're supposed to be drawing a straight line. And pretty soon you're going to be walking in circles. Okay? If you keep looking back and you keep uh, in, stay in a place of regret, you're going to be going in circles in your life. Okay? Um, it's okay to glance backwards. It's not okay to only be looking backwards. How many know that when you're driving a car... You have a big windshield to look forward, and you have a tiny mirror for what's behind you, okay? Why is that? Because we're supposed to spend 99% of our time looking forward and only just a second glancing backwards, okay? But many of us, it's, it's flipped around. We're so focused. We're looking at what's gone on in our past so much we're not looking at what's going on in our future, and that's a dangerous place to be. If you drive a car and you're only looking in the rearview mirror, how many of that's a dangerous place to be? Well, many of us live our lives like that. We're looking only in the, in the rear mirror, and you're not going to step into the, the things that God has for you. You're gonna, you have a collision coming your way. Okay? So we need to release regret. All right. And point number three, how do we purge our past? We need to live in the now and have hope for our future. Many people don't see a hopeful future because they believe that their best days are behind them. I'll say it like this. Their successes and victories are preventing them from stepping into the new thing that God has for them. Many times it's not just our failures that keep us stuck in the past. Sometimes it's our successes and our victories that we're not able to let go of. Okay? Uh, I'll say it like this. Remember the good old days. People talk about the good old days. It was better then. Okay, that can be dangerous. Um, thank God for our successes and our victories. Thank God for those. I, I think it's good to have those memory stones of like, God did this. He did this through me. It's okay to have those memory stones and the glance at them. It's not okay to camp out there and stay there forever. Okay, thank God for our successes and victories, but we don't want to only look back. It's okay to reminisce. It's okay to be thankful. It's okay to remember our victories and our successes, but we don't want to live in the past. Um, my wife and I have been married 15 years, coming up on 16 years. I'm sorry. We've been married 16 going on 17. <laughs> but I just talked about forgiveness, so she needs to let it go. Let it go, babe. As far as your sins are from the east as from the west, so far he has removed your transgressions from you. <laughs> okay. But when I look back, you know, when I was, I was born in 1980, and I think from 1980 to 1990, there's probably 50 pictures in existence of me between those, that decade. Not, you know, it's not like that with our kids today because we have phones and we're taking pictures all the time. We have thousands of pictures of our kids of the first decade of their life, okay? 
But when you look back on those pictures, it's like, oh, they're so cute. And I just remember those times. And there are times where I'm like, if I could snap my fingers and go back to that moment, I would. There are, I know, I totally understand that because we had, you know, just those amazing memories and, and just wherever you're at in your life. There are times where if you could snap your fingers and go to that, that very year, that very decade, that relationship, you would. But listen, it's okay to reminisce. It's okay to be thankful but we don't want to live in the past. Look at what Ecclesiastes 7.10 says. Don't long for the good old days. This is not wise. That's a word for someone here. Don't long for the good old days. This is not wise. Okay, It's not wise to sit around and wish you were in the past or wish it was this time. Okay, It's not wise to keep looking back. Many times our successes and our victories prevent us from seeing what God wants to do today. All right? Um, Paul knew this. And we're going to read Philippians 3, 4 through 8. And this is Paul giving his resume, his accomplishments as as a Jew, as a Pharisee. He says this, If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel... Of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But then he says this, verse 7, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus as my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Okay, these are Paul's successes and victories, the, thing, the prestigious things he's done in the past. Okay, and in and, and that culture, he was like the guy who was making it. Other translations say this, I consider them rubbish, or I consider them dung. I consider my past victories dung compared to what God wants to do today. Okay, Paul was talking about his accomplishments as a religious Pharisee. And I just want to say whatever your accomplishments were, your past victories, if you only dwell on them, they can actually prevent you from stepping into your future. They can prevent you from stepping into the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus today. So thank God for the successes and victories, but don't live there. So just like Paul, Paul had the dung gate in operation in his life, and he knew how to press purge. Amen? All right. Well, I'll conclude with this. How do we purge our past? Number one, we need to forgive offenses. Some of you are spiritually constipated. It's time to let it go. Let it go. Number two, we need to release regret. Things you did that you shouldn't have done and things you didn't do that you should have done. And number three, we need to live for now and have a hope for our future. All right? I think it's important to realize that we, we all live, we live in seasons. Every season of our life has a purpose. There is a purpose for the season that you are in today. Proverbs 20, uh, 20, 29 says this, the glory of young men is their strength, gray hair, the splendor of old. The glory of young men is their strength. Gray hair, the splendor of old. This is speaking of two seasons. People who have midlife crises are stuck somewhere between these two seasons. 
they realize like, oh, my strength is waning a little bit. They don't realize they, they're not anticipating the, the splendor of gray hair that the, the, the wisdom brings, okay? These are two seasons. We all have to recognize the season that we're in. Um, I'm 40 years old. I'll be 41 uh, later this month. And uh, there's questions I'm asking, like, I'm a runner. I'm like, is my fastest 5K behind me? Because I'm 40, you know, and I have fast times in my 20s. Listen, um, that might be true, but if I just live and like, well, I guess my fastest times are behind me, so I guess I'm going to quit running. No. Relative to my age, I can set new goals and relative to my age, I want to set new goals and, and see what I can do. Maybe I can do longer races, you know? And so whatever it is in your life, if, if you're stuck in the past, your victories, maybe you, you sense the season's changing, but God wants to do something new in this season, okay? There's a purpose for every season under heaven. My wife and I are, we're done having kids. We could potentially adopt, so there's that. We're done having kids. My, my wife had really bad endometriosis and we, we tried to have more kids. We wanted to have more kids. That could be a regret of ours. But if I, if I contextualize like where I'm at in this season of life, I could say, okay, we, we can't have more kids, but we can be a father and mother to people spiritually. We can lead a church spiritually and have spiritual sons and daughters. We could adopt, we could foster, or we could... Uh, foster that spirit within our church so that other people can foster and, uh, and adopt. We can look forward to grandkids. I hear that's pretty fun, okay? Here's the deal. We have to purge our past, recognize the day we live in now, release sometimes the good. Sometimes we have to release the good because it's preventing us. For sure, release the bad and absolutely get rid of the ugly, Okay? Okay, because God wants to do a new thing in us today. Life-giving, spirit-empowered churches have the deliverance gate in operation, and you need to have that as well. So if you would, why don't you stand to your feet? I'm going to pray for you. There's undoubtedly, one of my points is hitting on different levels in people's lives. So I just want to pray over you that you just absorb this and apply this to your life. So Jesus, we love you. We thank you for every person here that there is a specific purpose for the season they're in today, Lord. I pray, God, we wouldn't live in our past regrets, our past failures, and we wouldn't live in offense, Lord God, but we would let those things go. We thank you, God, you're doing something today, and it might not look like what it did 10, 20, 30 years ago, God, but you're doing something today. God, sensitize us to your Holy Spirit and what you're trying to accomplish in us today, Lord. And I just bless your people, and I thank you for them. We love you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.